Hi guys, my name is Shishi Edgley. I am Chiana on Farscape and I host the Jim Henson Creature Shop Challenge. And you're listening to Redress. Greetings, salutations, and welcome to Retrek, available on your favourite podcatcher of choice. And we're back after quite a quite a break, aren't yeah, we? A few months. So this is um, <laughs> Captain Jim with, of course, Admiral Elliot. And um, just to explain our absence a little bit for those of you who don't follow the um, the Facebook group, I had a. A near-death, full-death experience? Yeah, full-death. I think you've really got a point of reference now where you can talk with Spock. I could have a chat with Spock about it, yeah. I um, yeah, checked out there for about 10, 15 minutes, but fortunately um, managed to make it back. So that that's why we've been, been out of there. And I did keep up with the episodes of Discovery while in hospital, but because of the various... Um, painkillers and everything I was on my memory of them's a little bit skewered for some of them so um what we've decided to do is go back to where we left off and catch up with the episodes we missed obviously we had um Dr Squee stepped in with Nicola yeah and did some great episodes for us and I know they recapped some of the episodes um but we're hoping that people still want to hear what we've got to say about them and we kind of missed being able to talk about them each yeah, week so yeah well so it was it was uh, pretty good fun for us, uh, chatting every week. Yeah. So we're going to go back to The Sound of Thunder. Um, obviously, we've now seen the rest of the season, so we won't be giving our theories and whatnot quite yeah, as be much. a bit biased, wouldn't it? I think it'd we're getting all right. It'd be cheating a wee bit, yeah. Um, um, so we're not going to do that, but um, we are going to try and pick out things that are maybe stand out or are maybe a little bit more interesting now that we've got a bit of perspective and we know what's coming. Yeah, I think I can hold my hands up and say that I was wrong about the Iconians at this stage. Yeah, I mean, it still looked good for the Iconians. It did. <laughs> and there's one of your big theories that you had that doesn't happen in this episode, but I think would have been better than what we do get, but we'll talk about that when we get there. So first of all, the episode's called The Sound of Thunder, which is the title of a sci-fi novel and I've not read it, so I'm kind of paraphrasing here, but my understanding is that what happens is it involves time travel, and they go back and they tread on a butterfly, and then as a result of this, when they go back to the present, they've basically knackered all of evolution because they killed this butterfly in prehistoric times, which I'm not quite sure how this links to this, I suppose. They change the evolution of a yeah. A they species. alter the evolution, so, so there's a, a bit. It isn't of a, really time travel. It's no. It's sort of as it's happening. Yeah. So there's 
there's kind of a link with that title. Or mm. Maybe it just sounded cool. Yeah, it sounds so quite cool. With it. Yeah, we'll go with that then. <laughs> so the episode opens up and we get a shot of Kaminar and it sort of blends into what we've seen in Saru's quarters before. So we, we actually do get to see the planet, but then we transition to Saru's quarters and we get... Saru gives us a voiceover at the start of this episode, sort of setting everything up. And it's a long opening, this episode, before we get to the credits. We get Saru in his quarters and he's he's feeling for the ganglia that are gone. Yeah, he's... Well, he's, there was sort of like another sense, weren't there? He's, he's yeah. lost that extra sense he had. And we explore that, obviously, a lot more later in the episode... But it's showing kind of where he's at with all of that. And then we check in with the science lab and we've got Arium working on deciphering the probe, which, as people who have seen the seasonal know, yeah. becomes very, very important yeah, later they're on. Yeah, getting involved with the probe. Uh, maybe she, in retrospect she wishes she hadn't. Yeah, <laughs> and the the rest of the galaxy wishes she hasn't. <laughs> but, um, yeah, so that's good that they're, they're setting that up early and the... Yeah, in retrospect, you see that there's a lot being set up for the later episodes. Yeah, like I thought when they went back to the probe and they were still dealing with that, I thought that was going to be a one-off thing for that episode and we weren't going to see the probe again. But it, as we know, it does become very important later on and I suppose it's one of them as well where they had to do something about that probe because of issues with canon and everything. If the Federation had access to all that knowledge at the fingertips. Yeah, it it presumably mean... Yeah, I think as there was a lot of people screaming about canon. As, was. <laughs> canon. But for those who uh, have seen the whole season, they do tie up canon quite nicely. They yeah, do, they, they do. They do, do quite a good job of tying up canon. I mean, there are still people who are not happy about it, but... I think there's all, people who just you can't please all the people all of the time. But yeah, well, I mean, we'll get to that when we talk about the finale. But um, yeah, I think the knowledge that this probe contains is a bit more than Starfleet should have at this time. So something needed yeah, to be yeah. to be dealt with, and we'll get there. And then we also got a sick bay, and we've got these sequences with Culber. And Saru says, you know, it's inconceivable. Um, or rather, is it Culver or is it Saru who says it's inconceivable that you should be here? One or the other, anyway. It's one of them. But the the, the other one agrees, anyway. Yeah. So, um, and he, Culver's saying he doesn't feel like himself. To which Saru says something a bit weird. He says, you're feeling less like you were and more like you were meant to become. I think he's projecting a little bit there as to what he's feeling. Well, he, yes, yeah. That you know, it seems a, a bit of a yeah, stretch. There. Like, like the doctor has done a full scan and he's literally down to the tiniest microscopic level. Is a being reproduced as a duplicate, but a perfect duplicate. Per, yeah, as we find out later yeah. on. So well, he's missing scar tissue. It, yeah, he doesn't have a scar that he should have, and that's causing him problem. Yeah. He realizes he's not actually him. I think is his problem. Yeah, he's not. He's come back different. Oh, yeah, too he's come, perfect. He's come back unblemished. Yeah, which is yeah a little bit strange. But uh, you know, Culber gets more of a focus in later episodes. But it's good that we've checked back in with that at this stage. Yeah, it'd be a bit odd if we hadn't acknowledged it. And then Saru gets his scan where they said his fear now has been suppressed, which. 
must be a major thing for Saru because in prior episodes he's basically said that he feels fear all the time. Yeah, but also that feeling fear was like an extrasensory perception. Yeah. He could sense danger before there was danger. Yeah. Which which was a very useful <laughs> And now he's also told that in place of the ganglia he's growing spikes. Yeah. So he's becoming something else which we get you know, we we find out a little bit more about that later. Um we're still sort of not got to his opening credits yet and we get um a conversation between Ash and Pike and Burnham about the Red Angel and we get some speculation here that it's making incursions in time and we get them questioning is it sending us to places to help or is it causing the problems that we then have, have to, fix? to fix and at this stage in that I think that's a fair fair yeah, question it's something that we talked about yeah it before. is it's a very fair question at this point and Michael takes kind of a scientific slant on it and she says you know there's not enough evidence either way and we need to look at every side of it because Pike's getting I felt he's getting a bit annoyed with Tyler you know being a bit negative Tyler's sort of the pessimistic view yeah. of everything and Pike's the optimistic view of everything and then Michael's sort of somewhere in the middle uh, yeah. kind of and like Ash Tyler's only meant to be there as an observer yeah as a liaison between section 31 and Starfleet so yeah Pike's sort of not happy he's yeah he's putting his oar in where he shouldn't be yeah and he's not Pike's not comfortable with him I don't think as part of the crew at all no um, never mind as you say giving his opinion on important things but but then, why is he called him into a meeting in the briefing room? I think because I think that's part of the agreement of with Section Thirty One yeah. of him being the Ashes, but we insisted that he has to come to all these. Yeah, yeah. Um, and then I noticed a little bit where Saru's a little bit hesitant to give up the captain's chair when Pike comes to relieve him. Yeah, which, which he wasn't previously. No. he didn't have a problem with that. And you know, do you think that's because of this new thing? Yeah, I think it's changing. Yeah, I think he's lost that fear. Yeah, like he did. All, he had ambition already, but yeah, it was quite really with authority he'd step down and yeah. respect authority because we, we talked and about this and now he's this. got that well no I want to be captain I was meant to be the acting yeah, captain yeah because we talked year. about this before that they said they sort of said we're going to job share it and yeah we'll both be the captain but that's not what's no, happened that's not, what, not at all Pike's the captain and Saru's the first <laughs> officer so we finally get the credits and then we come back and we get a bit of a different shot of the discovery at warp like the yeah. the camera seems to be behind the neck yeah, it's quite a nice, uh, and nice it looks, little view. Yeah, it looks really cool. The, I think that's the good thing about modern telly and higher budgets and things like that is you can do things like that, whereas in Next Gen and well, to a lesser extent DS9 Voyager... To be, to be fair, when they did Next Gen, how they did it was state-of-the-art then, and we it were looking was, at it like, but, wow, they couldn't do this on TOS. But we had five or six shots of the Enterprise that we had to reuse... Well, well that was the original series I think yeah. next gen you get a lot of the same I think ones you do get s- some of the same ones but there is a lot of new shots on a regular basis mm, I don't know I think if you rewatch it anyway <laughs> but the the good thing is we can do that now yeah. with CG models we can yeah they're giving it the budget if we want to see it from a different angle we can do it which is great um, Saru sort of giving us a wrap up and he talks about the Baul 
and did you notice he sort of feels for his ganglia when he talks about the bowel like yeah, he's expecting he's a response, to be scared and, but it's not and it wasn't yeah it's not happened it's not there which I thought were pretty cool um, then we get a recap of how he made contact with everyone and we get clips yeah, from well, the short well trek. this chat this ties into the this is the first episode that ties into one of the short treks yeah but we, we actually get flashbacks taken from yeah the short trek which if you'd not seen that you'd be well impressed that they've gone back and they've got uh, they've got Michelle Yeoh to do a little cameo yeah. and you know all this stuff it's kind of like what they did with the menagerie in the original series yeah they, yeah, they use all this footage but you know at the time people didn't know they'd met another pilot so they'd be like oh wow they've well they've built all to these be fair, people didn't know for a, a long time that the cage existed the cage was lost it, it must have been well into the 80s before it was oh, actually yeah. released I think it was I think it was late 80s when they first yeah. showed it um, well we'll talk about the cage more in the next episode when yeah. we go back to Talos 4 but um, so yeah it's nice that we get these these bits from the short trek um, one of the questions that Ash asks is are the angels specifically interested in discovery which is an interesting idea at this stage because you know we've had the first one they got the asteroid Arguably, that's not specific to not discovery. specific, but any ship. Um, um, but then, when they went over into the beta quadrant, quadrant, yeah, that like only discovery, discovery could have, could have got that. there. And the angels appeared to Spock, which links to Michael, so yeah. that links it to discovery. Appearing in Kelpia, uh, so I keep calling it Kelvia Kamina. Um does that ties in because Saru's the only Kelpian yeah. and so you know I think it's a fair question Ash is asking there and it's one that I had loads of scribbles down trying to work everything out but there's no point going into that now <laughs> no. since we know where we're going no, but uh, I think that we could have had some really uh, cool theories uh, yeah we could out. have done I um, think some of them we might have had actually got fairly yeah. right but <laughs> yeah um, we find out more about the bowel, like they hide behind the technology, they're isolationist, and this will making me think that your theory that you had that the bowel were going to be the evolved Kelpian, yeah, and that to me this felt like that's where this episode's leading because yeah. it's going they hide behind technology, we don't see them, they're yeah. isolationist, nobody's seen them for yeah, and you're thinking right, there's got to be a twist to to what they are, so. I was quite yeah. liking that, but um, we'll get to what they actually are. There's more of Pike being awesome where Ash says, you know, we're going to just knock on the door and ask nicely. And um, There's a point where, uh, have I got it right, this episode, where Ash um, flicks him his badge and goes, section 31. No, I think, asking for, I think that must be later on. Is it next? Right. Yeah, it might be next week, or was it the previous week? I've seen I've seen all these so many. Yeah, times you've watched now. them more than I have. Yeah, um, but you know, Ash says this, and Pike's response is, you know, it's always good to be polite when you first meet a new species, which is really cool. He is sort of like the definitive Starfleet captain, isn't he, Pike? Yeah, he's, he, he's yeah, he's read the book. And he, he, he makes he the right the calls, but he's willing to twist things where necessary. And Ash also says, you're assuming that the signals are there for a reason and Pike says well yeah they must be <laughs> and of course we'll find out that they are uh, they talk about the away mission 
Saru wants to go on it, but again, Pike shows his kind of pragmatic side. Like he gives really solid reasons why it might not be a good idea yeah, for Saru it's... to go, because he he could be compromised. He could tell them more than he should about the evolution. So at this stage, we've got this interesting dynamic that the Kelpians are a pre-warp society. So yeah, the Kelpians are the Bowlands. The Bowl are not. But because the Kelpians are, then General Order 1 should apply. Yeah. Um, so it's this... But then should it, because you've got a post-warp technology basically enslaving a pre-warp one. So I'd have thought, yeah. from that perspective, maybe you could bend well, that's it also, Well, General Order 1 also covers mm. interfering in, uh, in the planet's air development and yeah. in, internal politics. So... Yeah, it's it's interesting, and Pike does say in this one, you know, I'm happy for you to bend General Order 1 as long as we don't break it. <laughs> yes, <laughs> which, you know, he's not the only captain in the Enterprise that's taken that approach. Yeah, I think, it, I think it's something about captains of the Enterprise. Uh, yeah. <laughs> General Order 1 applies to other people. <laughs> and captains of um, other starships, such as Voyager, throw them out the window. <laughs> but, you know, we might get to that one day. <laughs> What I really liked about this scene as well is when you've got Saru and Pike getting a little bit sort of agitated with each other, a lot of the characters in the background sort of jump to the feet and it's kind of like, you know, when you're in a pub and you can tell a fight's about yeah, to kick off and, oh, what's... and everybody sort of goes tense and it goes a bit quiet. I got a real vibe of yeah, that at the time. Yeah, it's, and it's sort of like, you're obviously not used to that sort of no. behaviour from Saru. Well, they, and, and they don't know how he might act now. No, I mean the the people who should know really would be Michael and Ash because they were on that planet with him back in season one, and he went a bit crazy there when yeah. his fear was taken away. So it's it's not sort of new behaviour for Saru, but it's it's new to the majority of the crew. Yeah, and this time it's it's permanent as well, and it's yeah, something. This he'll is have how he to, is now. <laughs> he'll have to integrate. Yeah, yeah. This isn't an outside influence making him like it short term. No. This is actually he, no. This is it. Then he's going to have to incorporate that, and you know they're going to have to get used to who he is as a person now with yeah. this new attitude. So yeah, it's it's an interesting sort of tension between the two there. Um, then we sort of cut to Culber. And it's quite sort of heartbreaking for Stamets, really. So he looks so happy. And they talk about how his scar's gone. And there's a lovely bit where um, he's telling the story of how he got the scar and Stamets tells it. But he exaggerates it. And Culber says, no, no, that's not what happened. And, it, you know, it's just a cute thing. Yeah. It's all, it, like, he obviously looks up to him and bigs him up and everything. And it, it isn't, at the minute, Culber's quite cut off and it's not reciprocated which is a bit of a shift for him because when we when we saw him in the mycelial network I suppose he was still Culber number one at that time yeah yeah was and, still and so him, him and Stamets seemed fine but now as we said he's it, he's a bit different yeah he's he's, he's a genetic copy yeah he's almost a clone and he's, you know, he's he, he's been dead and he's been brought back. And, yeah. He could know, talk to Spock as well. He could tell Spock as well, yeah, if he lives long <laughs> enough to... Well, I was thinking he'd have to wait. No, because Spock would Spock be around at this time. I'm thinking... Uh, 
I'm getting timelines mixed up. soon. <laughs> yeah, maybe next episode they could have a chat. But then he would have to wait several years until Spock dies. Yeah. To have this conversation with him. So then we go back to Kaminar and, you know, Saru is on the away team. It's Saru and Michael. I like the bit where they said, oh, Michael, you're uniquely qualified to go on this mission. It's like, no, eh, really? She's uniquely qualified to go on every mission. Wait, isn't yeah. I can almost sympathise with the people who get a bit annoyed. Yeah, yeah, you can a bit. And with because Michael does like, seem to be able to do everything. Like it was said, like when the show was before the show came out, that the show was made around the character of Michael. That's it, the commander. exactly. But even in other shows, where like the original series of Star Trek, the show was around Captain Kirk. But we had episodes where it was Spock who did it. Yeah, we did. And we, or the Doctor, or Scotty. Yeah. And other characters and fix we, things. And she seemed just... And I can sympathise. I think she fixes too much. Yeah, I think it wouldn't hurt to get other people involved yeah. a little bit. Um, so they're, they're down on the planet. They talk a little bit about, again, the bowel have got this thing, the watchful eye, and they've got these sort of monoliths that control everything. Yeah, there's... They're sort of like looking and listening and... They can basically... It's like Big Brother. They can keep an eye on everything. Saru's talking about how his father was an unwitting collaborator, which I think is a bit harsh, really. I mean, he didn't know. Yeah, I don't think... uh, If you're looking at it like that, the entire Kelpian race is is collaborators. It's the the priests specifically, isn't it, that he's having a dig at. And that, that sort of carries on... A bit of a theme of this season, which has been looking at religion and organised religion to an extent. So we're we're touching on that. And with hindsight now, having seen the rest of the season, I wish we'd done a bit more about religion. Star Trek's tackled it in regards to alien species. Like, we know a lot lot about the Bajoran religion and quite a bit about Klingon religion. But... I, I would have liked it maybe to get our teeth into that a little bit more but I think it I think it's something that Star Trek um, looks at social issues but it looks at them from alien perspectives yeah, a lot does. of the time and other and it, ways is how it commentates and I think and I think if you start focusing on human religion mm. there's so many you could alienate a lot of people yeah you could and, and I think another thing is it's established even in the cage, the very first episode. Like the, they have a bit where Pike sees a vision of the devil, and he says it's from old Earth mythology. Yeah, and he says mythology, not religion. So it, it, it's kind of hinted at that human religion isn't a big thing anymore yeah. by the time we get to the twenty fourth century. And I think that, in a lot of ways, ties into Gene Roddenberry's. So he was, I think. They call it like a uni, unilateral universalist or something. So it's basically you'd like to believe there's something. It's kind of like an agnostic, I think. Yeah. Um, but nothing specific. So yeah, I can I can see it both sides. I, I thought they were gonna tackle it more, but you know they don't. But that's fine. Um, we get Saru getting meeting his sister again. Uh, you see Michael in the background flick the communicator open to switch the universal translator on, which that's like a nice nod to where the technology is at this point. Yeah, that it's not just... Yeah, and you know, it's it's not necessary that they do that. 
because we accept in Star Trek that we understand yeah. what everybody's saying. Yeah, we've, we've but, got our heads around this universe yeah. to translate. Everyone can talk to each other. But it's a nice little bit of continuity that they, they do do it, that they take the time to do it. Um, there's also a bit where Michael uh, move, removes a hood to reveal the human features, and that reminded me of the Vulcan in First Contact, where there's yeah. a big reveal there. He takes the hood down and they see the pointy ears. Yeah. So from... Serana's point of view she's experiencing the same thing that Zephyr and Cochrane yeah. did there she's seen this alien for the first time so I don't know whether it's a deliberate nod to it or not but I liked that and then the scene finishes with quite a funny line where she says do humans from Earth drink tea but I just thought you know I hope that Universal Translator is accurate because you know she could have said do humans from Earth drink piss yeah, and, and that's what it, it's yeah. thought it was. And she's only had it switched on for a couple of minutes. So. I don't know, because uh, they've got Saru, so I, I'm assuming that it'd be quite good at Kelpian. True, we'll let it, we'll let it go. But, but it did just but occur to me. could be like, all sorts of things. It could be poisonous roots to a human. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, so then you get this scene with Serana and Michael and Saru and they're talking. And she starts off early on saying I see this is not the reason why you're here so she knows that they're not there to see her specifically but then by the end of the scene she gets really angry that they're not there that Saru's not there to see her yeah and it's like well you knew that yeah so she it just struck me as a bit of a weirdly written scene it it bit awkward yeah her her character didn't make a lot of sense to me in that scene because she she, she knows more or less from the start why they're there but then gets angry about it I can understand her being angry about it but they can deal with it move on and then yeah. go back to it I don't, I don't know I just found it a little bit odd um, then the bowel turn up and Serana basically kicks out Michael and Saru and, and that presumably is to do with the watchful eye and all this yeah. they've seen outsiders there and they're not happy about they're it. Probably, they'll have noticed the technology, possibly with sensors. Yeah. So then, back on the bridge of the Discovery, again, this made me think that they were going to be Kelpians, because when they contact Discovery, it's audio only. Yeah, they won't show themselves. Yeah. yeah. And it, I think it's Marcus the, the wanting to save it for the reveal of them later in the episode. Yeah, but it's... But it, I just, I kept thinking, yeah, they've got... It's definitely it is, it's going to be Kelpians. Kelpians. of old Kelpians. Yeah. And Pike, again, is pretty cool. Like, he, you can see he's trying to play them. Like, he takes this... He starts off saying, well, um, you know, we know that the Red Angel's coming because we've had a red burst and it always follows that. And it might threaten your great balance, so... He's trying to kind of win them over that way. Yeah. So they've tried diplomacy earlier on. Um, Saru sort of has his Russell growing gladiator moment where he stands up and says, I am Saru and I am the only Starfleet <laughs> on a Kelpian in Starfleet and all this. But he's he's disobeying orders there because Pike's told him not to. not to get involved in this communication. But again, Pike kind of lets it go at this stage. Though as it gets a bit more... Intense later on, he throws him off the bridge basically. <laughs> and the we see the battle ships, and they're they're vertically aligned in space, yeah, which we don't see in Star Trek very often. So I quite like that. That's a little bit 
different. They were massive as well. Yeah, they were really big and there were lots of them. <laughs> so they, it ties in with what they've said about the technology, like the, the technology's really advanced and that's yeah. why they can hide behind it. Um, I like how sort of direct Pike is. Like, it's very clear that the Federation won't stand for yeah. Just for- the bowel oppressing or... Um, well, it develops later into trying to kill the the Kelpians. Um, there's a great it's, shot. When sorry, go on. Is it later in the episode where Pike threatens them? Yeah, yeah, he does. When the yeah, he comes out with some great lines. To he them. does have some great lines. <laughs> I think I've got some of them written down. But there's when Saru leaves the bridge. There's a brilliant shot where we follow him into the turbo lift, and then we see the doors close on the bridge, and we see him open on a corridor. And they've either hidden a sneaky cut in there, or they've done something really clever with the set. Well, they did um, that in um, Star Trek 2009, didn't they? Yeah. And um, they did it, um, for, I think someone literally walked with a green screen. Right. Behind, <laughs> behind Spock, so the, you so had yeah, the character you can... in one motion, Well, yeah. but then they were can... able to alter it on the green screen. Yeah, I mean, that's one way of doing it or you can the other way would be you get on the turbo lift and then you rotate the set of the turbo lift round to another set but that would rely on the sets being right next to each other I've seen it done in a film where they rotated the entire set so they had two sets on the wheel and rotated it around the character which seems a bit extreme but so what's it called uh, oh, I forget what it was called. George Clooney's first film, which it wasn't that great, apart from that, really. <laughs> but so, however they did it, it's a pretty, a yeah, pretty, it's pretty cool nice effect. Um And Saru was going basically to beam himself down to the planet. Michael intercepts him, and she got there quickly. She must have left the bridge sort of the second after he did. Yeah, realizing what he's off to do. Yeah, which I think makes sense because they do know each other very well. Yeah. the yeah, they've served um, together for quite a long time. Not just yeah, she's able to predict what's going to happen there. And then we get this line that recurs later on where Saru says, you know, would you not do the same for your own brother? Which causes Michael to stand down and let him beam down. Yeah. So that's obviously quite a pointed um, reference to Spock. Which, at this stage... It were getting pretty wearisome that we'd still not had Spock. Yeah, being predict, being talked about like yeah. since. Well, it was in the first trailer. Yeah, it was. And this is episode six. Yeah. Well, we do get him soon. So, um, then Saru ends up on this um, bowel ship where his sister gets beamed in there as well. Um, they sort of make up, like she said, I'd hoped you were free. Yeah. So the, there's no sort of bad blood between them. And we get this reveal, final reveal of the Ba'ul, which is not an evolved Kelpian. Not at all. It's, it's like this stuff of nightmares. That... It, well, I've thought about this a lot, and I think the Ba'ul actually possibly live underwater. Right. In swamps, so the... That makes sense, yeah. Because the whole city is underwater. Yeah, it is. And, and it rises from the water. So, I, and I think it's, I don't think they actually, the colour that we've actually seen here, I hope that we see more of them in the future. Yeah. 
because I don't think that they're jet black. <laughs> Maybe not. It reminded like, me. It, it looked like it was just like muck. It could if... have been, yeah, like swamp. Yeah, that makes sense. It reminded me of the thing that kills Tasha Yar. Yeah, a lot of people Spoilers said that. But... For Next Gen yeah, season one. Yeah, if you haven't seen Next Gen, sorry about that. Yeah. <laughs> I think it's, I mean, how long ago are we talking now? 1987. 87, so I think we can... If you haven't seen it yet, you're probably not going to. Yeah. So, or if you've seen any later episodes, Tasha Yar's conspicuous by her absence. <laughs> um, so yeah, it, it's reminiscent of that. No, she's rem- actually in another one after. Oh, yeah, she is. She's in a... Yeah. Um, it reminded me also, like, uh, sort of Japanese horror films with the the sort of hair. I mean, it wasn't hair. Yeah. Like, tendrils and, and stuff. Like, elongated yeah. fingers. But I think there was, like, there was stuff dripping all the time, so that's why I think yeah. that it was covered in dirt. And then it has sort of flashing red eyes as well. Yeah. Which, that might be a step too far, maybe. But, um, but it's certainly the most kind of horrific looking thing yeah, it, probably we've ever had on Star Trek. Yeah, it could actually even have been a projection because it comes out of the water. Yes, yeah. How it yeah, rises up. Nothing touches it, yeah. that I recall. So, um, we go back to the ship then and Michael's found some data on the bowel and she uses Spock's catchphrase, fascinating. The probe can basically show the evolution of the planet. Yeah, and it shows back. that the Kelpians were the dominant species yeah, at one and point and they were more or less wiped out the, the bowel. they were aggressive and yeah they were the hunters the bowel were the prey or should we say the the advanced Kelpians the evolved Kelpians yeah. were that um, and then we see that kind of in action we see the spikes that were talked about um, Saru shoots the spikes at it but it's kind of got a force feel yeah did you notice then that the bowel, something sort of pricks up on its on its. Um, I think it's on its back, and that to me, I thought that's that's the bowel version of threat ganglia. Yeah, possibly. When it shoots the spikes, it has a uh, a reaction. A threat to reaction. It. So that's interesting that these species have. Yeah, both of them have similar. I wonder if you know if they'd have taken it back further, if the Kelpians. Evolved in order to beat the bowel, you know, it's like a survival. All the Kelpians and bowel both come from the same then, origins. Maybe so. And then, so if the bowel have oppressed the Kelpians, they've probably stunted their own evolution because they'd have probably evolved in some way yeah. to combat their predators, you know. So, yeah, it's a strange situation. Um, so then the crew and Saru and everyone decides they need to come up with a solution which is going to be to trigger um, the pro- trigger the evolution in everybody in all the Kelpians to me I wasn't sure about this from a a prime directive general order one point of view yeah. because you're, you're forcing an evolution you, of an ch- entire species yeah you're changing and Saru's and Saru's sister I mean Saru's already had it so what he thinks doesn't really matter so it's not going to affect him again Serana agrees to it but the entire rest of the species yeah. doesn't yeah it's a, it's a tricky one isn't it and the, 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 they're doing it for the best of reasons they're doing it to empower them and, and to free them from yeah from oppression but I don't know it, it, it just didn't sit quite right yeah, with me it, that it, they 
they unilaterally take this decision that, that they're going to alter a whole species yeah. an entire planet's and you know this hits home a little bit when we see shots of all these kelpians in agony and they must not know what's going on you know well, they haven't they, they have a clue there's only Serana who have not been communicated to that we're about to do this all they are getting suddenly is this yeah signal that's sitting them that's and as far as they know this. you die when you go through that process yeah so everyone else on the planet is going to think they're dying they're dying yeah and th- there's no explanation of it Serana's the only one who knows that they're going to survive it you know it's it's quite terrifying really <laughs> and you know to me I would have thought the Kelpians should have a right to choose whether this happens to them or not I mean presumably the majority of them if they explained look you'll be fine yeah and you'll be stronger and you won't have fear and you'll be able to stand up to your oppressors. Most of them would say, yeah, all right, that sounds... Yes. But like, it's the fact they don't get to choose that. Like, there was the thing, they made the point of, well, it'll take generations for the Kelpians to yeah. advance enough to be on a level with the Baal. So, yeah, they, the they, fact, but, they justify it on a level of, it's not going to immediately disrupt the status quo. <laughs> but, essentially, what they're doing is still morally tricky. It's morally questionable in I, a massive way. I don't think Captain Picard would have done this. No, I'm not even sure if Captain <clears throat> Kirk would have done no. this. No. I think, I mean, Picard... Janeway would have. Oh, Janeway would have done it. Janeway would have had a shot. problem. She'd have blown up the brow and walked <laughs> at it as well. Yeah. As long as it didn't accidentally help her get home early because you don't want to <laughs> do that. But if there'd have been coffee on the go. But yeah, you know, I mean... I think when we think of Federation principles, we think of Captain Picard. Yeah. And he definitely would have no. been up for this. Cisco, maybe. Yeah. If it have, mm. if it have advanced the war effort. But anyway. No, it's just an interesting one. And I'm, I'm not totally sure it's wrong. And it, the outcome... No, I'm not sure if it's wrong in any way, shape or form, but it's... The outcome is okay, but it... But as far as General Order 1 goes, it's yeah. massively, massive problems with it. So that, yeah, it's 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 an interesting one. I, I wish we'd have devoted a little bit more time to looking at the ins and outs of it. Yeah, it was, it was a very quick decision. Yeah, wrestling with the decision a little bit more yeah. before... Yeah, because it's so, probably only about two or three minutes of the episode is... Yeah, it is. Sort it's, of, oh, this is what they were before. Oh, let's do that. <laughs> yeah. Um, so then, as you said, like we get the Bowel City rising from the water, and we get this thing, they're going to set off like this chain reaction that's... Oh, every obelisk, every obelisk yeah. is going to fire it. it. To stop them evolving, they're going to kill, kill every single Kelpian, which is, as you say, this is when Pike gets quite badass. Yeah, yeah Pike's... Makes, you will make an enemy of the Federation... Yeah. I'm targeting. Choose wisely. <laughs> and he says so. He says something like, "When they first activate it, he says like, okay, let's hail these bastards.' Or something. Yeah, he's had enough by that point. Yeah, um, which is fair enough, you know. Um, the Red Angel appears, and this is the first time we sort of see the Red Angel interfere. Really, it's yeah. It's like we've we saw it in the second episode. Uh, yeah. Oh, on. Well, we saw so, it in the first episode Elysium, on the asteroid. Is that an Elysium? Terralesium. Terralesium. Um, 
we've heard about her interfering with the third world war of yeah. bringing the people over so there has been direct interference yeah it's the first time we see but it it's the first time we actually see it first time discovery sees it rather yeah because she it looks like it fires out like an emp yeah or something which shuts down the whole thing and the this is something i want to track as we go well, through it's just an emp because it actually destroys all the obelisks yeah. So it's almost like it fires more power than it can hold into them. Yeah. As opposed to EMP, which would black them out. And they they make the point here that this technology that it uses is way beyond what's currently available. Yeah. So I want to track that as we go through knowing what we know now in terms of yeah who's inside that suit at this specific time, which we'll still keep it ambiguous in case anybody who's listening to this one is listening to I, it I know that there's people order. out there that are still umming and ahhing of watching it but there's more and these people who are still just starting to watch it well now yeah and like, then, now you may as well there's quite a few people in the states that yeah don't. they literally can't afford the subscription and they're waiting just buy it on blu-ray yeah and well, it hasn't been released I think yet now you could get like a month subscription couldn't you or you probably could or you could get but, a trial and binge it but, yeah but they're gonna buy the blu-ray anyway so as opposed yeah, exactly. to so as opposed to paying the subscription and just yeah, wait yeah. till the Blu-ray comes out. You know out. what's disappointing? The, the UK Blu-ray hardly has any extras on it. And I was just like, well... You see, I've not this, even bought the Blu-ray. No, I haven't. But it, I looked at it because I thought, if there's tons of extras, I might yeah. go for it. And I was hoping the short treks would be on it, but they're not. Hopefully they'll be on the season two. Oh, you'd hope so, because... Like, the part, they're very important. As they are important. On. Especially Calypso's going to be very well, important for season three, we well, assume. We, uh, we, when we get to the end, I'll, we'll talk I'll about throw that, out my yeah. theory on what's going to happen there. But, um, I'm quite... <laughs> yeah, so we, we won't say who or what the Red Angel is at this no. stage. Um, but it does stop the problem. Everything's wrapped up. Saru gets a good look at the Red Angel and it it appears to be a humanoid it, in human a suit. Well, he's... Gets a good enough look yeah. that he's able to say it's a humanoid female. Yes, it does appear female from what we yeah. see. Yeah. Um, then we get um, almost a bit of a reconciliation scene with Ash and Pike. Like Pike says, "I'm sharing this with you in the spirit of cooperation." And Ash expresses his worries about, well, what if the Red Angel turns this technology on us, or yeah. what if the Red Angel's seeking to manipulate things? And again, um, Pike at this point, which becomes quite poignant later mm. in the season, says, "Here, um, you, you, you in control or control in section thirty-one. You almost sound paranoid." Yeah, he does. <laughs> yeah, and this is one of the first mentions of control. Yeah, which I think it is the first mention of control. Yeah, we're gonna introduce very subtly, but that's going to become very important later on. And um, yeah, I quite like. I like the dynamic between Pike and Ash, and we get. I think it's next week we get a lot more of that. Yeah, we get episode. quite... Yeah. Um, so we'll talk about that. Uh, then we see uh, Serana's in Saru's quarters and she sees the planet from space, which is a trope that we've had several times in Star Trek. It was one of Picard's tricks that he liked to do, usually with young women. He'd take them up to the Enterprise and show them the planet from space. Yeah. He does it in Who Watches the Watchers and he does it in First Contact. Yeah. So it, it's, and it's always a powerful thing, you know, seeing these people see their own planet, own planet for the first time, especially someone who's from a pre-warp civilization. Oh, so yeah, presumably she's never been in space, 
Oh. Well, from what we can understand, Saru is the first Kelpian to have been in space at all. Yeah. Possibly 2,000 years ago, that was different. Yeah, when there were more. Yeah. I, like, I think we've got to assume that how advanced Baal are, that's yeah. a very old civilization. The technology's come technology, from somewhere, hasn't it? And they already had a lot of technology. Yeah, so if they've got all this technology and the Kelpians were the hunters, presumably the evolved Kelpians, yeah. even if they couldn't make the technology themselves, yeah, they could like, take it by force. I don't know if it's been said so much on screen, but a lot of books make reference to how fast the humans developed technologically. Yeah, yeah. Where no- I think they do talk about that. I think yeah. like the Vulcans were several thousand years in um, Little Green Men, where the Ferengi go back in time in DS9. Yeah. I think they talk about it. They make reference to like how far on the Ferengi were at the same at the- time the humans were. You know, yeah, forties or and yeah, yeah. The humans were now past the Ferengi. Yeah, yeah, because Quark's gonna sell his shuttle to the Ferengi homeworld. <laughs> so they can have warp 8 and all this so the episode finishes up Michael and Saru have a bit of a chat again they go back to this idea of doing the same for your brother which prompts Michael to say I need to go home to Vulcan and that probably is your biggest hint and it's kind of a promise that don't worry next week you'll definitely which is episode 7 and not spoiling it for anybody but I did predict previously episode episode 7 so um, fingers crossed then Spock <laughs> next week for anyone who doesn't know when Spock yeah. turns up and I think that's I mean that's the end of the episode is there anything this is where we usually do theories but I don't want to well, step on anything since we now know no, I think even to do season 3 theories is a bit premature no we'll save moment. that for maybe we'll do a sort of season wrap up show and talk about where yeah, it might go and where we think it'll go and yeah but um, is there anything else on this episode you want to talk about before I think we wrap covered up? pretty much I think we covered it quite well to say that we're trying not to we've, yeah, we know what comes in the future as well and we're yeah, trying not tricky. to do it we're walking a, a fine line <laughs> but that's it from us for this week we'll see you next time on the retrack